This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. If the only peace that you have in life is based on circumstances that you live in, beloved, your life is going to be such a roller coaster. And in view of that thought, if your life, if your spiritual life is a major roller coaster, then maybe you're looking for the wrong thing to bring you peace and well-being. And maybe your trust is again on the things that you see and the things that you feel and the things that you touch rather than trust in the reality of the power and the presence of God in your life. Have you ever had a time in your life where you were just flying high, things were going your way and you felt contented and happy? Did it last? That kind of contentment can be so fleeting because it's rooted in the world which will always let us down. In those high moments, we can feel so confident about our own ability to create happiness for ourselves. But it's a deception. Once you've experienced grace and chosen to live in obedience to God, peace will take root in you and a true contentment. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 2, for part one of our message entitled, The Blessing of God's Choosing. We're in the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, and uh, as we introduced the letter of Ephesians, during the study we talked about the Apostle Paul, who he was. We didn't really get a whole lot of his background, but primarily his relationship with the church or the churches around Ephesus. We also spoke about the church of Ephesus, or as I said, perhaps even other churches that were around rather than one singular church, the fact that there were probably a multitude of churches that this letter actually goes out to. The main focus of our study last week was submitted in order to be used. Submitted in order to be used. And we saw how Paul was a man that was submitted to God, and so God used him mightily during that. And I encouraged you to commit to four things that I felt would uh, encourage you in your walk in the Lord, that would bless you, that would nurture your spirit during this time. And I don't know if you remember what they were, but those four things was, number one, to be here. So I'm glad you're here. It makes me feel a lot better that somebody's here rather than me just teaching to myself. The second thing I encourage you to do is is to bring your Bibles. And uh, that, again, you can follow along your own personal Bible that uh, rather, again, rather it be um, a paper Bible or an electronic version that you would bring it along so it would be yours and you could follow along. The third thing was to be able to take notes of some sort, even if it's just a word here or there that would jar your memory, that would put into your mind the things that are spoken that have spoken to you particularly during that time. And then the fourth thing that I ask you to do is read the text. And I encouraged you to read the first three chapters of Ephesians at least three times that it would be less than a 30-minute investment for you spiritually on this study. Now, I'd like to see a show of... No, I'm not going to do a show of hands. I wouldn't do that to you. This is all between you and the Lord. It's for your spiritual enrichment. It's for your blessing. And we don't keep points around here. We just let God do that. But I do encourage you to do that. As we move ahead this week here in Ephesians, we begin to get into the message of Paul to the church or to the churches of Ephesus. And this next section of Scripture is, is really unique in some ways, and yet in other ways it's very, what you might phrase, as Paul-esque. 
if I can coin that phrase, I don't know if anybody else uses it, but it came in handy this week as I was looking at it. Uh, you can see the Apostle Paul all over this in many ways. First of all, in verse 2, we see a very Paul-esque greeting or blessing to the church. He says in verse 2, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason I say this is a very Paul-esque statement is because we find nearly the very exact same thing in every one of Paul's letters. And it's kind of amazing, and it's unique to Paul himself. We see in Romans chapter 1, verse 7, he says, To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 3 declares grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the same thing. Galatians chapter 1, the same thing. Philippians, the same thing. Colossians, the same thing. We get into the churches of Thessalonica, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. And here we have the exact same greeting in both of the letters that he addresses it from himself, Paul, and Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, and then the blessing. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you get to Timothy, first and second Timothy, this young pastor that, that Paul is writing to, he makes a little bit of a change here. And to Timothy, he says, to Timothy, a true son in the faith, he says, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the, and from uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And in case you think that was just a fluke, he does that in both of them, both First Timothy and Second Timothy. Grace, mercy, and peace. And then again to Titus, and, and who was Titus? He was another pastor. And Paul, writing to him, he gives Titus that same kind of a blessing to Titus, a true son in our common faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you get to Philemon, Philemon was neither a church nor was he a pastor, but Paul goes back to that original greeting, that original blessing. He says to Philemon in verse 3, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know it's not a really big deal, but I think it's really noteworthy that as Paul is writing to pastors, he realizes we need mercy. <laughs> And then for the pastors, he throws in there, oh yeah, and mercy be yours too. I think he knows that we need past, that we as pastors need mercy because we blow it quite often. And more often than not, when we blow it, the sheep get wounded. And when the sheep get wounded, believe me, we need mercy. And as Paul is writing this, it's just kind of like, again, I, I know your position. I know that I know all the things you come into and, and we just simply Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the mercy that you continue to just bestow upon us. As far as the blessings to the Ephesians and to the others, you really can't experience the peace of God until you know the grace of God. And in all of these, he puts them in that order, that the grace to you and peace from God. We need grace, that unmerited favor of God, every one of us in our lives. Not because we deserve it, but because He willingly pours it out upon us. Grace, we've, we've seen this everywhere we look, the, the grace of God being poured out. 
We see it if we're willing to look for it, that is. No matter where you go in this life, you will see the grace of God. First of all, we see what's called the common graces. And the common graces go out upon all of creation. Uh, even those who don't identify God, who don't trust God, who don't believe in God, who are enemies of God, still the common graces of God are poured out upon them. We, we see the beauty of sunrises. We see the, the blessings of the changes of the seasons. We see the blessings of life. We see even joy that the very human experience is able to be able to have. These are common graces received by everyone. And then the other type of graces that we have are what are called special graces. And these are the ones that surround the lives of believers. His peace in the midst of our storms. His forgiveness in spite of our failures. His love, even when we're not very lovely. Remember the acronym of grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. What a great acronym, what a great definition that is of grace. Well, here... In Ephesians, over in verse 8, and we'll get there sometime in our study, but Paul tells us that this grace has been caused to abound toward us. And some of the versions say that he's lavished this upon us. And it's, it's like he's got a huge bucket, and he doesn't just come and give us a little bit here and there. No, it's the, the word picture is that he just pours it out upon us. He just dumps his grace upon us. Because we deserve it? No, you know that we don't. And yet God, in His love, in His blessings, just lavishes it upon us. Grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The only real and lasting peace any of us could ever have comes from God our Father. Not from the circumstances that we live in. If the only peace that you have in life is based on circumstances that you live in, beloved, your life is going to be such a roller coaster. And in view of that thought, if your life, if your spiritual life is a major roller coaster, then maybe you're looking for the wrong thing to bring you peace and well-being. And maybe your trust is, again, on the things that you see and the things that you feel and the things that you touch, rather than trust in the reality of the power and the presence of God in your life. But I want to move on into this next section of verses. And again, another unique thing in this letter brings us here to to verse 3. John Walford, a Bible commentator and, and a pastor, writes this about these verses. He says that in the Greek text, verses 3 through 14 are all one sentence. And it's considered by scholars to be the most cumbersome sentence in the Greek language because there is just so much that's there. You've heard people who run on their sentences. They they just continue talking and talking, you know, in in, in excitement. And it's kind of like, take a breath, you know, so so you don't die in the middle of what you're saying. I, I think Paul, just in the excitement of what he's writing here, he just goes on and on and on and on. And we're going to look at this this morning. It's not the only place in Ephesians he does it. He actually does it eight different times throughout Ephesians. He just runs on these sentences. And I believe it's because of the excitement of of what he's writing to the people of God here. And as we begin our journey through these 12 verses, verses uh, 3 through 14, 
I feel that it's really important for us to maintain the wholeness of the thought of what Paul is saying. And we're going to take our time with this study, and in particular with this section as we begin Ephesians, and we'll probably be in this section of verses 3 through 14 at, at least a couple of weeks. And, uh, because again, the depth of all that's there, the richness that's all that's there. But let me encourage you as we do this to continue on in your reading through the week of reading chapters 1 to 3. Maybe go ahead and read 1 to 6. Read the whole thing. Again, to help you to bring into the context all of what we're saying. And who knows, but maybe the Lord will allow you to start memorizing some of the precious passages that are here in Ephesians. What a rich, rich book this is. But look with me this morning at this section, beginning in verse 3, as I read through verse 14, and I, and I know that in the English we have everything just nice and neatly divided into sentences and paragraphs, and it kind of helps our English brains grasp it a little bit better. But still understand that to Paul, this is just one great, one glorious thought that he's just pouring out. He's pouring out. And it's, yeah, it's definitely one very long sentence. Personally, I feel that what Paul is writing here is a declaration of praise and worship. Listen to it. Follow along, if you would, as I read it this morning. Verse 3 all the way through verse 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Wow. It's, it's, it's a powerful declaration that Paul makes here. It's really, uh, it's not only a magnificent statement, but there is just a ton of doctrinal truth that he packs in these verses in such a way that, man, you can't lose it. But the question is, is do we really see as we read through this on our own or whenever, do we really see the magnificence and the fullness of the truth that Paul, I believe, is trying to, again, reveal to us in this. And I understand that in our fellowship today, this morning here in in this group that's with us today, 
there are going to be some that are here today or that they're going to be listening on the Internet or, or get a DVD or a CD later on and be listening to this. And I understand that they are going to lean more towards the line of what's called Calvinism. I understand that, and if you don't know what Calvinism is, a very poor description of it, and very limited description of it is, is they are very, very strong on the predestination work of God. And there's others that are here that lean more towards what is called Armenianism. And again, a very poor and a very limited description of Armenianism is that the Armenianism thought and process is that they lean very heavily and very strongly toward the free will and the choice of man. So you have these two great extremes. And I understand that in and of itself, these definitions are, are so limited. We don't have time to really go into the definitions of either one of those this morning. But during this study of Ephesians, because of where Paul goes in this book, we will be touching on both and speaking on both. But as we go through it, as we look at these things, some of the members of, that may be in each camp, you may be listening with, with a really great expectation that this study is going to either confirm your position or defeat the other one. And I want to assure you, if you're in either extreme of these camps, if you insist on maintaining the extreme position of, again, Calvinism or Arminianism, that you're going to be sorely disappointed with the study. Because I don't think that that's what Paul is trying to drive home here. I don't think that that's the point of what he's making here at all. However, if you want to know the fullness of the glory of God, the richness of who He is, and the declaration of His might and His power, as we go through this study, I believe you'll be blessed. I believe you'll be encouraged with it. We're going to take the time this morning, again, as we look at this one section, this one thought of Paul's, to see some astounding and some, some wonderful words of blessing and hope. First of all, consider what this section, these verses, are all about. And if you think that the main purpose of these is dealing with predestination, I think that you're missing a greater point. And if you think that this one section deals primarily with just the blessings that we receive in Christ, I believe also you're missing a greater point. This whole section is about the glory of God the Father and of the Lord Jesus Christ, just declaring and proclaiming who He is and the glory of Him. Consider, if you will, the very opening words and the very beginning sentence there in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Stop for a minute and think, who, who is Paul bringing the focus to here? It's to God the Father and to the Lord Jesus Christ. And yes, it does speak about spiritual blessings that we have, but it's so easy in our consumer mentality to skip that first portion where he speaks of blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and suddenly get to the good stuff, what I get out of it. And how easily we go that way. But once you slow down 
When you take time to analyze, I believe, the focus of what Paul is writing, it changes the entire meaning of the passage. Today we're going to go through this section again, through these verses. And I'm going to go through it without very much explanation, but I am going to go through it with a great detail of identification. We'll look at another time. We'll begin next week going through the explanation of it all. But today, I think that we need to focus on the identification of what Paul is saying, who he is saying to and about. And if you feel that this little exercise is too elemental to you, church, this is fundamental. This is necessary. This is foundational to our understanding, not only in this passage, but in our entire Christian life and experience. If the only time that you read this word is to look and see, what do I get out of it? What's in it for me? Then you're missing the foundation. The foundation of our faith, the foundation of our existence. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The focus here is God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul continues, verse 4. He says, Just as He, well, who be He? He is God the Father. Just as He chose us in Him. Well, who be Him? Him is Jesus our Lord. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him, before God the Father. That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoptions as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself. To Himself, to God the Father. He's predestined us as adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to God the Father according to the good pleasure of whose will? His will. God the Father's will. Not my will, but it's according to His will. Because of the greatness of His love, greatness of His compassion toward us. Are you starting to get the gist of this? Do you see where Paul is going with this? He says still in verse 5, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace. It's all about to His glory, to the praise of the glory of His grace. You may be familiar with the old song, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. That's the reality of what Paul is speaking here. It's not about us. It's about what He is doing and who He is. It says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He, the Father, has made us accepted in the Beloved. We know who the Beloved is, don't we? Oh, the Father's only beloved Son, the one in whom He is well pleased, the one who Jesus was the one who declared during His life, during His ministry, Father, I've done everything that You've wanted me to do. All that You've set before me, I've completed these things. Verse 7 says, In Him, speaking of in Christ, in Christ we have redemption through His blood. Peter speaks to us. A little bit later in the book of First Peter, Peter writes, The precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. John tells us in First John, he speaks of the blood of Christ, which cleanses us from all sin. 
In Romans 5, 9, Paul again declares to us that we're justified by His blood. And here Paul declares to us we are redeemed through His blood and through His blood the forgiveness of our sins. He goes on to say, according to the riches of His grace. The grace of God the Father which He, God the Father, made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Let me ask you, whose wisdom and prudence? Yours? It seems that more and more people are getting caught up in a works-based expression of their faith. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. This is the book Pastor David is currently teaching through. Ephesians. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to www.theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although the open word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande for worship on Saturday evenings, Sunday mornings, or Wednesday evenings. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to theopenword.com and follow the link to the church website. Finally, we want to encourage you to follow us on Twitter, The Open Word Radio, or log on to theopenword.com and follow the link right there on the homepage. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with David Landry. Please join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. That's next time on The Open Word.